0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers for Blizzard Watch, and I've got both my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's the other lore columnist over on Blizzard Watch. That would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Hello. I'm talking over my words today. I don't know. It's been a long day. It's not even evening. It's been a long day. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm
1: um, okay. Uh, I spent the weekend. My wife had to go out of town so it was me and my dog and my dog did not know what to do. She was like stuck to me all weekend because she was afraid <laughs> I'd leave too Aww. and then she'd be alone so like he, like last night she like slept literally welded to my leg like I couldn't move an inch. If I moved even an inch she'd just shift over. Like nope, nope, you're not going anywhere.
0: Constant contact. Poor puppy. Anyway other co-host with us, he's not a lore columnist, but he is a lore aficionado, and he also knows Shaman really well. That would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe.
2: Well, hello, everybody.
0: How are you doing?
2: Uh, It's been an interesting weekend. We have a new kitten. so <gasps>
0: You got a kitty?
2: Yeah, so we finally got a-, a kitten. We found one that we fell in love with and uh... brought her home, and she is... T- currently isolated from the dogs because she decided that she was going to be queen of the roost and attack the dogs while they were sleeping and all sorts of other stuff. So we're, we're going through the integration process. Mm. Now, the fun thing is we haven't named her yet because I'm a big proponent of I want to know the animal's personality before we name them. Uh-huh. uh But there's a theme for all of our animals. All of our animals are named after video game characters. So if anybody out there listening has some suggestions you want to throw my way, I'm all ears. Chandra's. Uh,
0: so you've got Sylvanas and you've got...
2: Tristana. She's,
1: okay. she's, attacking, she's attacking Sylvanas, Chandras.:
2: yeah, I, I was actually thinking about that. Or the other option was uh, Illyria.
0: Illyria is a good option.
2: <laughs> the true that's, enemy. That's a know? good
0: option, yeah. I mean, if you wanted so... to go with a different video game entirely, I would say her Hawk. But, you know, that's because I really <laughs> like Dragon Age.
1: <laughs> if you're
0: doing that, you can go with Shepard yeah Uh, shepherd oh dang that'd be good too that's a good animal name okay
2: (laughs) yeah but there's gonna be lots of pictures so everybody will be more than happy to uh or you're more than happy to love on her for remotely so
0: i saw a picture i think earlier today and she was adorable so that's cool i'm glad you got a kitty everybody's in animals i don't have any animals guys (laughs) not allowed to have any animals there are no animals in our house. My father dictates this. I do not. Otherwise, I would be coded in cats right now. Um. Right. So, last time we convened, it was the day before Battle for Azeroth launch. And um, since then, it's been two weeks. I don't know about you guys. I have one 120 now. Do you, did you guys hit 120?
1: No, I have a 120, uh, 118, and uh, two 112s so I'm working on.
0: Well, Rossi is really ambitious. Joe, what about you?
2: I also have a 120, and I'm debating what I want to boost Alliance side and start leveling.
0: I have a Nightborn on Horde side that I need to play now, because I'm mostly done with the main story arc for the Alliance side. I have to go do a Mythic. And then I think I'm done with all, like, the highlight reel of everything until, like, the next patch comes out and we get a next big story chunk for that side. Um, but I need to go play Horde stuff because I've heard everything is really fascinating over there and I need to go roll around in some Loa for a
2: while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Loa stuff is so good.
0: Well, good. So, your are 120s on Horde side?
2: Yes. Okay, uh, so lo- we've got... The the sh- the Horde Shaman Loader has been leveled to 120.
0: Okay, so we've got kind of like a sampling from both sides of the faction fence here. Sorry, guys, we have not played 120 on both sides just yet, because that takes time. We don't necessarily have a lot of that <laughs> these days. <laughs> but it's okay i'm I'm hoping by the next time we roll around into lore watch, I will have finished the one twenty on the horde side so that I've got like a clearer picture of both things. The cool part about Battle for Azeroth and I do want to talk about like our general impressions of the expansion and everything. The cool part that I have seen so far is that the two faction stories are completely different things like there is no overlap in story mm-hmm. between the two it's it's too completely different experiences um that's not always been the case Uh, i think warlords probably i think warlords probably did the best job in terms of here is a complete zone and it's different for each faction but then everybody kind of got on the same path and the story overlapped right it was never really one complete story from beginning to end like this one is before what do you guys think about that
1: i think it was necessary Mm -hmm. Um, this time around, I don't think there's any way you could do each faction having the same stories considering how they led up into this expansion. Uh, I think it works pretty well. I haven't, I've only done a little on Horde. I've got my Horde character to the point where he's got his gigantic necklace and, uh, is now that's, that's as far as I took him. Uh, I haven't really been, there's been so many other things I wanted to do, but yeah, I think in general, it's necessary to set up what they're going for. I don't think you could possibly do the even like the the Warlords thing where you both had you had your own starter zone, but then you went into the other three zones. I mean, there were still some differences, but you couldn't do that this expansion, I don't think.
0: What about you, Joe?
2: I actually really appreciate that they did this. And I think that it's I made a comment before, I think last week, that this to me feels like the best leveling experience because it is the best parts of Legion, the best parts of Warlords of Draenor, and the best parts of Pandaria, all kind of rolled into one. So they sort of like picked and chose those bits, and giving each faction a unique story, I think, is important in uh, Welcome because you got glimmers of it in the past, and but but like you said there was always this big unifying factor way early, like it wasn't even something that came along a little bit later it was way early, there was a big bad or something that brought all the factions together or something that they needed to focus on uh, that was, you know, more more predominant than their well, individual stories Or you know, some stories. giant
0: catastrophe, like what went yeah. down in Jade Forest <laughs>
2: We had Jade Forest, we had the Iron Horde, we had, you know, the Legion. Like, those are really cool things, don't get me wrong. And I'm all, and I like those sort of, I like those types of stories too. But we're finally getting an idea of individual faction stories, which is really welcome. Like, it just, it feels good. And when you finish your faction story, you have a complete, I don't want to say a sense of closure, but. You understand what's happening inside of your faction. It's, it's been like devoted enough end... time to be robust.
0: Yeah, it's more like an end of a chapter.
2: Exactly. And as it's a satisfying
0: to... end to the chapter.
2: Yeah, as opposed to I got halfway through the chapter and then a rock hit me. So
0: <laughs> Rocks fall, everyone dies. No. Um, beyond that beyond the whole, each faction has its own separate thing. It also feels like, to me anyway, um, now keep in mind, I've only played on Alliance so far. I did a little bit of Horde and Beta, but I didn't do everything on Horde and Beta because I wanted to save it and savor it. Um, It feels like each of the zone stories, because each faction has their own island. You got Kul Tiras for the Alliance, you got Zandalar for the Horde, and each of those islands have three zones. Three massive, massive zones <laughs> full of quests all over the place. And to me, what I also found interesting was that it there was a little bit of interlock between the three zones, but they all kind of had their own distinct stories going for them, and I'm assuming it plays the same way Horde side. I know uh, that the little bit that I played in Vol Dune and the little bit that I played in Nazmir were like two completely different things.
2: So, yes, the stories in those zones are contained, but they're all part of a whole that's being told throughout the entirety of the zones. So while they are individual things with individual players going on, they do tie into the Greater Horde story, and which is really re- cool.
0: Yeah, I think they did a really good job of that, though, of you know, letting that individuality kind of shine through and that interlock between these zones, it's just a connecting story thread. It's not something that drives your entire experience through the zone.
2: I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, Horde side, because the things that you're going against in each of the zones ties back to the major plot point of the Horde, not like a little thread. It's the same thing.
0: I mean, it's the same thing on the Alliance side, because the Alliance side, you know what, okay, before we get too much further into the show, I'm just going to pause here, and we're just going to set that aside for a second, this this episode is going to involve spoilers, guys, um, the game has been out for two weeks, I haven't played through everything Horde, but that's okay, we're going to talk about Horde spoilers, um, I know, Joe, you haven't played through everything Alliance, we're going to talk Alliance, we're basically just no holds bars here, so, <laughs> If you're avoiding any kind of spoiler content for Battle for Azeroth stuff, you might want to come back once you've finished hitting 120 or, you know, finish doing the storylines that you want to do. Um, just in case. All right, back to that. <laughs> the Alliance side. Um, everything that you're doing, the stuff that you're doing in all three zones is specifically to get each of these zones and each of these like major houses to a point where they will go ahead and ally with Proudmore again and unite Colteris. That's what you're looking to do is just unite Coltiris. So that's the unifying thread and the thing is is like each of the zones in there, like House Waycrest has its own problems that you have to go solve. And over in Tiergard Sound, obviously Lady Ashvane is she's she's not doing good things <laughs> and you need to resolve that and then over in Stormsong Valley there's a lot going down with the Tide Priests and you kind of have to follow that to its natural end so once you've done that you've unified all these houses and then you can go back to Borales and go to Proudmoor and you know say hey cool we have brought everybody back together again and that's where it kind of comes back together is it a similar sort of thing with the Horde side
2: no, uh, where, it's a complete. It's, it's a you, different story.
0: No, I mean a different story, but is it the same kind of thing? Where it's like each of these zones has like something that interlocks at the end with whatever yes. major overarching. Yeah, that that and that, okay. that 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 is true.
2: Instead of uh, unifying houses though and bringing everybody back together, it's fighting against what's trying to tear apart the Zandalari. So it, yeah,
1: there's a uh, rooting out corruption, and. Yes turn i mean I, I know more about it than i should because i did it on the beta so i mean I haven't cool. done it in a while Ch- chat about from, it. from what i remember uh since we're doing spoilers i'm just gonna push the pedal down now the uh everything that goes on is related to Zul and to uh princess talanji suspects Zul. so she's off doing her thing in nasmir trying to like prove that That the Blood Trolls and Zul are related. The uh, stuff in Voldoon is about what happened with the Old Gods. And there's a group of seals. Like Joe, the the seals are involved in every three zone, right?
2: Yeah, so there are three. Each zone has a seal, and those seals were Titan constructs that were made to lock down the facility.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, see, you said there's a group of seals, and I'm thinking, like, you know, along the coastline, those things. (laughs) are
1: No,
2: I got no.
0: really confused for so, a minute there. <laughs>
2: the the very first thing you see when you get into Zandalar, the Great Seal the, in the is the Great Seal. That's in the Horde what Embassy. These,
0: yeah,
2: right. And so as you go to Nazmir, you go and investigate, and you see that one of them has been completely, you know, overturned and destroyed. And there, there's void entities. There are faceless ones. There, um, you actually find a Titan Watcher. Uh, as well as several dead ones that you bring back to, to So
0: this all kind of goes into Titan stuff, basically. Yes. Which yeah. tells me that I really need to get a move on with my Horde character because I yeah. like this stuff a lot. <laughs> <and, laughs>
1: Voldoon is also based around... Uh, it's based around one of the Loa, Sethralis, mm-hmm. um, and it's based around her fight against uh, Chathraxi to try and protect one of the SEALs. And that ties back into the Zul thing, because one of Zul's henchmen ends up working alongside the uh, head of the of the, the bad Sethrak.
0: Okay, well, and we don't need to go too far into this. I'm just
1: saying that's all part of that story. But the it all tie ties is, together. Tie-in is basically Zul is behind everything. Okay. That's the tie.
0: In. Which is, I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. We know well, it's bad
1: I, news. The, the zone I didn't finish uh, on the beta is Voldoon. I've gotten bits and pieces since, but the, that's the one I, I know the least. I, I did Nazmir pretty extensively.
2: Voldemort well, so, was actually a really cool story, too, just because of uh, it's got all the classic, like, you know, freeing people from oppression and and battling against this greater evil and also, like, an element of espionage. Like, it feels like a movie almost done in the style of, like, the old Indiana Jones, which I think is really, really cool and really fun
0: but it's not like oldum where the reference is beaten into your face.
2: No, it's very subtle. Okay, it's good. Not, it's not like Harrison <laughs> Jones comes swinging in and you have to like, you know, escape from a giant boulder that's been set on fire and <laughs> you know, no, nothing like that.
0: Yeah, cuz that uh they went a little overboard with Old Doom, but um speaking of Old Doom, actually speaking of old in general, you guys all went and got your shiny necklace rocks. did you talk to the construct that was sitting mm-hmm. in the doorway, the one that had the crystal shoved through its chest? Yes yep. mm-hmm. did you Joe? I actually did not. okay so um that particular construct when you talk to it, it's basically monitoring Azeroth's health and it's having issues because obviously A- Azeroth's health has been like kind of compromised um and when it when it's talking it starts listing off titan facilities and it starts listing off ones that we've heard of obviously you know there's like old war oldum all that other stuff but then it starts listing off ones we've never heard of before and i'm trying to find the screenshot of it because i do have i have everything screenshotted um let's see here
1: uh, i can t- list some of them now yeah, um, go ahead and list
0: some while I'm sifting through my screenshots, because I'm going to be too much longer here.
1: There's Aldoris and Aldaz, um, the ones that you get it when you talk to the Maiden of Vitality. This uh, lists Aldemon, Aldem, Aldoris, Alduar, Aldir, Aldaz. Then she just starts going Ald, 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 Ald. So that's the ones that she lists. Obviously, we already know about some of them, like Aldemon and. Oldum and Alduar and Oldear, but we didn't know about Aldorus or Mm Aldaz. Aldorus to me, is the most interesting one because it's similar to Antorus, and it makes me think. It makes me think that every Titan world might have had a naming convention. Like there might have there might have been some. There might be an 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 Antimon, an Antum, uh, an Antuar, an Antier. Like you know what I mean? Like they might have all those different facilities on, on Argus.
0: It's like a naming convention type thing. Yeah.
1: But that's interesting to me. We don't know anything about, um, old Oris or Aldaz other than that they were mentioned, that no, they just might be names for other things that we've been to. Like for all I know, um, there are other things we've been to that were made by Titans.
0: Like maybe old and- Oris was another name for Sholazar or something.
1: Maybe I uh, don't know. I mean, well, and that's that's the other thing too. Like, we have
2: a bunch of facilities that we have names for that we don't know if they had like a Titan name, right?
1: Like, well, like for instance, example. I mean, you go to Wintergrass; that's a Titan facility underneath, and a pretty big one. Agramar's Vault. I mean, I don't know what Agramar. Not it was an Agramar's Vault. It Was an Agramar's Vault? What is the name of that stupid thing? But there's you know something close a- to that. It's yeah. a Titan vault.
2: It's the Vault of uh, Archivon. Vault Thank yeah. you.
1: And we don't know like, what that was called. We don't know what the you know, there's lots of different.
0: things. Was there a designate for it? That kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um. There's. What's the name of the five man? That's that's basically built on top of a Titan vault. More Maradon.
0: Maradon. Maradon
1: yeah, Maradon's, yeah. Maradon's built on a on a Titan facility of some kind. We don't know anything about that. What its name? We've never actually been in it. No. Uh, but so there's. So it could be any of that, or it could be something else. We don't know. Um. There's. Taramok, that's the Christian Caverns of Taramok, are the ones that, like, supposedly, uh, Vault of the Titans, that Theradross referred to the place as her home, it might have been the place she was imprisoned. There's lots of stuff, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, when you talk to that Maiden of Vitality, she says, subject Azeroth warning, catastrophic system failure in progress, planetary integrity at calculating, calculating, calculating. And then she says, multiple containment breaches registered, recommended expur- expurgation of following facilities, oldeman Oldom, old Olduar, Oldir, Oldaz, Old, 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 Old. There's like four other Olds without, and she could either be skipping or maybe she's trying to name another one. I don't know. Um... And then the last thing that she says is subject Azeroth, major arrhythmia detected, vitals exceeding acceptable parameters, attempting to update incidents, reports, error, 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 error. Now, this is all before you stabilize her. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all before you, like, get your fancy swank necklace and do all of that stuff. So the arrhythmia part of it, that's what you were trying to fix. That's why when you go in there you hear that weird heartbeat and then it kind of stabilizes back out after you're done. So you're you're playing doctor with the world, which is a little weird. Here's the other thing that I was wondering, Rossi. Um, Obviously, well, okay, each of the various old gods were contained in a titan prison. So like... Ulduar was for yog saron and then you have C'Thun. C'Thun was the Temple of Ankuraj, but maybe that's one of these other facilities.
1: Could be, yeah. It obviously could be. Because we, we don't, don't know what Ankaraj was called before that, yeah.
0: Right. We also don't know where Nazoth was imprisoned, or what that facility was called. So this might have something to do with that too it was one of those really interesting just like right off the bat they're like here let's let's just hit you with something that nobody is talking about yet. <laughs> just on this random NPC that you may or may not talk to as you're on your way to get your little widget your goodie widget and most people were just interested in getting the goodie widget I don't think they even looked at that statue um, we did because we're weird like that
1: <laughs> well if it's got a you know if it's got a Bubble a thing on it that will let me talk to it. I'll try and talk to it. I mean, yeah. it's just wow. So, but That's... what's really weird with this too is not just that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the uh, NPC in question, the uh,
0: made of, of, of vitality. Yeah,
1: she was also present in the Hall of Communion. Yeah, and just because we're teleporting to the Heart Chamber from a portal in Silithus, I mean, does that mean it's in Silithus? And if so, is this what? Sargras was trying to stab,
2: yeah, the teleporter's like, real close to a sword, man.
0: It might I be mean, because he was trying to go through the heart of the world and kill it, but well, was he trying to do that that's that's
1: what's really interesting about all this i don't we don't know what he was trying to do.
0: I feel like that last ditch attempt was. I can't have Azeroth, I can't let Azeroth become a Dark Titan, I'm going to kill this planet because nobody else is doing it, and they're about to vacuum, hoover me away (laughs) to prison somewhere, I gotta make sure this doesn't happen, so he tried to stab the world. That's what I feel like, but...
2: See, and that's where I don't know, because it always always struck me as, Sargeras was a lot, I mean, he may be the quote-unquote mad titan, but... I think he was a little bit smarter than that, and he like the whole reason he wanted Azeroth was to defeat the Void, and like he knew that Azeroth was corrupted and or, or potentially corrupted, but he well, still wanted to to purge that corruption and bring no. her to fight the Void. Right? No, like, He wanted the his thing, brand of corruption.
0: The thing was, was like Azeroth was one of the most powerful World Souls they had ever seen, but it was already infested. The whole reason Sargeras went cuckoo, and well, he didn't really go cuckoo, but the reason he formed the Burning Legion to begin with was because he went to the Titans after discovering this world that was infested by old gods and destroying it before it could become a dark Titan. He went to the Titans and said, you guys, we need to check for this and just start killing planets left and right. The Titans were like, whoa, no, hey, hold on here. There's probably other ways to do it. Sargeras didn't agree. He took off. He formed the Burning Legion. The Titans happened acro- po- upon Azeroth Noticed that it was infested with these old gods, and found a way to contain them, pull them away, do you know, do all their little widgets and things. Sargeras found it later, and he found it because Agrimar came to him and said, "Look, we, we fixed it. We fixed this problem. You don't have to kill planets. We found this way powerful world soul out in the middle of nowhere. Man, you wouldn't believe how powerful this thing is. But it had the old gods on it. But we locked them all away, and it was all good, and." We all know how that ended. He killed the Titans. Well, later on, he stumbled across Azeroth and realized, oh, this is the world that they fixed, quote unquote. And he's been trying to corrupt that world to turn it not into the Dark Titan, but into a Fell Titan, something that could stop the Void, the void. and mm-hmm. help him in his task. So that's why I'm kind of like thinking that cuz i i am thinking that his reasoning was if i can't have this thing we can't let it survive because the void will get it eventually you see, know what
2: i mean a, I, and while i could see that i just don't know if he would he would let his plans fall or cuz i mean
1: yeah, in his own is...
2: mind he wanted to save the universe right
1: well plus there's one other thing here we keep acting like what what has happened to sargaris is a permanent solution it's not even a temporary solution. He'll no. be out soon. Yeah. The idea that Illidan and a bunch of guys he already killed once are going to be able to hold him indefinitely, in in the terms of Titan's lifespans, this is an inconvenience. We have, at best,
0: interrupted his plan. So now, here's... Wait, on our wait, lifespan, hold up, hold up, hold up. I have to interrupt for a second. Do you think the Anduin comic... Where he showed up at the end and he's an old man. Do you think maybe that was the point where Sargeras busted back out again?
1: It's entirely possible. I don't know that that's actually what they were talking about in that story. Because oh. for all I know, they were they were going off to fight old gods. I don't, I don't know. know. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's well, the other it's... thing. Don't
2: forget, like, Antoris had that n- nasty little uh, void infestation happening on that one little section of it, too. So,
1: yeah I, yeah, I don't think that Sargeras can be counted out yet. And though I don't think he, he would have said, well, all right, I'll just kill it because I don't think he considers this game over. Like, I gotta kill it, because if not, the Void will inevitably win. I think he at most feels like this is an incredible annoyance, but, you know, what's gonna happen in that time that he's imprisoned there? uh, The other Titans are gonna have to spend all their time holding him there, which means they can't do anything. Uh, Illidan's gonna be fighting him, but that's like, what? What's Illidan gonna do to him? Nothing. Illidan can't hurt him. him. He can at most, you know, he can annoy him. Eventually, the Titans are going to see things his way, one way or another. They're going to see things his way. Well, think about it this way, though, right? Like, boy, the I think, easiest I think way right.
0: for the easiest way for them to see his point is if that sword accidentally freed the old gods and the world got corrupted, isn't it?
2: Well, not just Azeroth, but think about it. Like, the Burning Legion cleansed, quote unquote, how many planets? Like, scoured them of void taint and, and life the, and life, but there's no void taint there. The Burning Legions no more. The said, what, Legions...
0: millions and millions of worlds or something like that? He's so, talking about the Titans doing it, not the... the... Yeah. Sure.
2: But the idea is, what happens if the Burning Legion is not there and the, and the Titans aren't there to trigger origination, reorigination, or to do the the scouring and cleansing? And then all of a sudden these planets start becoming void-corrupted to the point of Koresh. And that I, I honestly think that that would horrify the Titans enough that they could potentially see it his way. Like, I think Rossi is not far from the mark.
1: Well, plus there's also some other things to consider. And I think that, that we're starting to see that in, uh, in Battle for Azeroth. And I think we're starting to see that in terms of what's going on. Uh, there's there's the light entities. The light is out there and it does things. And we saw that with Calia Manifel. The Light is hardly helpless against the Void. The Light is, in fact, quite capable of fighting the Void. It's been focused on the Legion because the Legion has been the greater cur- current threat. But now that the Legion has been dealt with, the the, the Naru and the Light have a new focus. Mm-hmm. And it might be, to a degree, the Maghar storyline kind of points in this direction. That the Light can be just as ruthless, if not more ruthless, prosecuting the war against the Void as it can, as anything else. Secondly well, two
0: sides of the same coin.
1: Secondly, there's a lot of weird death stuff going on in this expansion. There's so much
0: death stuff going on. I,
1: yeah. I, well I, I, well I, both both the horde and alliance side. The horde have Juan Samdi, who is clearly up to something. That dude is planning he's planning six I, levels.
0: I well, play Horde so bad. <laughs> well,
1: there's, there's also, the Alliance has Thros, the blighted land. Yeah. There's, there's a
2: couple of really big quotes too like, throughout the questing that that lead to that as well. Like, Samdi, who is one of the greatest NPCs ever, refers to a boss. His boss will not be happy. That is the exact line. Who is he working for?
1: That's a good question. Uh, That's an
0: excellent question. Especially
1: since there's two low of death that we know of.
2: Or mm-hmm. well, at although, least lower that have been attributed to death,
1: yeah. Although one of them might actually be the same one as Bonsamdi, do, we don't really know. Sure. Uh, We've actually, this...
0: um, I'm going to interrupt you too, because we do have a, an email here um, that may be relevant to this current discussion. So I figure oh, we should go ahead and read that email. Um by the way, if you have an email for Lore Watch, you can send that to podcast at com. Just put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know it's intended for the show. Uh, this one is from Neil, who says, Hi guys, Neil here. Do you think that Muezala will show up at some point in battle for Azeroth, given that he has a shrine in Tal Farak, and that the other two Loa associated with him via the tablet of the Call, Shadra and Kimball, play a part in at least this first piece of the expansion? I would think that since G'huun is a threat to Samdi, he would be... He would be to one. He would be one to Mozzala as well, given that they are both Death Loa. Also, what are your thoughts on the theory that Mozzala took Odin's eye? Thank you, uh, Neil. <laughs> it's, a,
1: it's an interesting theory. Uh, I know people are saying it because Mozzala has similar characteristics to the entity that Odin dealt with in the Shadowlands. I don't think the Loa actually count as Shadowlands entities. Like they nope. exist there, but they're not. They're they're still most of them still seem to be wild gods they still yeah, seem because death they're, they're and kind of agents right Death is a, is a natural part of life it's a it's a thing that happens so death ancients seem to be born out of like life in in a way that's the, and this goes back to the uh, stuff going on uh, in Drusvar, but I'm gonna try and contain it to this for right now. Um, I think Wazala might be another name for bon because the San Fury are pretty separate from other troll you know, groups. They have their own so identity. So they might be
0: it, one in the same thing? They might be.
1: On the, especially since Bonsamdi and Shadra and, and Kim are all pretty heavily involved in this. Yeah. So that's certainly one possibility. On the other hand, there could be more than one Loa of death. Uh, one could be like a death god. One could be like a god about death. Bonsamdi seems to be much more about that moment of death. Mm-hmm. Especially like, I mean, if you've died... In in, in uh, Zoldazar, you've seen the guy, and he's cracked wise on you. It's that transitional it, moment that he seems to be in charge of. He, it's the same thing with the Rastakhan story. When Rastakhan is dying because of what Zul did, I think he actually dies, right? And then Razan, so. Razan comes up and says, give him back. Oh,
2: yeah, and, yeah that's right. He does die, yeah.
1: And Razan, Samdi is not some all-powerful entity of death because Razan straight-up bullied him into giving... Uh, you know, Rastakhan's soul back. He yeah. said,
2: do it or I'll hurt you. No, no, he didn't even say hurt. He said, don't forget you can die too. Yeah. Like that. that that's literally when a giant T-Rex says to the God of, to, to the, the Loa of death. Yeah, I can still kill you. That That's and, that's impressive.
1: And keep in mind too, that, that that's probably related to what happens to Razan. Um, Razan becomes undead. Razan dies. Uh, all the Loa can die. And that's the thing: is all the Loa can come back unless very specific circumstances are met. The one Loa we know for sure will never come back is the the mastodon one, the mammoth one, Memta. I think I can't pronounce Memta. Yeah, yeah. He's the only one we know can't come back because he blew himself up. He used his immortal spirit as as a, as his means of vengeance against his own followers, who were going to drain him. That's the only one who can't come back. Uh, any other? And Lowa- I mean, if
0: you want to. Once again, we have to kind of like point to the fact that the Loa appear to be the troll equivalent of the wild gods.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: they're kind of like the ancients and the ancients have been known to die and come back again. Look at yeah. all of them that came back in cataclysm. This is muddied a
1: little bit by the fact that the, uh, the trolls use the word Loa to mean any sufficiently powerful spirit. Yeah. As they, they call Gahun a Loa and they call Hakar a Loa. And they call wisps that night elves leave Loa. behind Loa. So the word is a little vague, but most of the Loa, especially the ones the Zandalari seem to worship and the ones that other trolls worshipped come from the fact that the Zandalari worshipped them because the Zandalari were the first troll empire. There's a sense that the ones that they tend to worship are the troll equivalent of the ancients from Mount Hygel, because Zandalar Isle was originally Zandalar Mountain.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you also it, have to look at You also have to look at the troll druids and the origination of the troll druids. Mm -hmm. Gonk led them into the Emerald Dream. There is a connection there, like a solid connection there.
1: Plus, I mean, it didn't even mention, like, you know, previously no troll, no Loa would allow, like, a servant to to draw from more than one of them because they were jealous and didn't want to share followers. I think Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Gonk basically was the one who was like, no, man, we got to let them do this so they can help defend us better. And it's only the only the, the troll druids that can touch upon multiple ancients in that way, multiple loa. And there's, in terms of the the one the question being asked, do I think he will show up? I think he maybe already has. Well,
2: and I'm curious about that too. I'd like to go back to the question because I see uh, if it depends on the manifestation of the face of the death of or the death god or the death loa, like. Mozala was always associated with sacrifice, like specifically sacrifice. That's why he was summoned, was to you know for the Sand Fury to have their sacrifices accepted. It wasn't Bomb that showed up; it was you know Mozala that was there before the moments of death. Yeah. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it's an aspect shift um, because the only, I mean, the, the Faraki are the only ones that are really noted of like worshiping Ute No Mozala. So.
1: And could I'm be, really it, curious yeah, about that. It could be something as simple as one of them handles the actual killing and the other one handles what you do when you're dead.
2: Yeah. There's and then, me,
1: if we use Egyptian mythology, there's Anubis versus Wapowet versus Osiris. Sure. They're all kind of related to death, but
2: And we also have some media media out there as well. The dark, the dark spear worshiping him for years. That's the Loa of the grave. Like we we
0: have like another email here that also kind of ties into all of this. So I'm going to ask that one too. Um, This one says greetings, mighty Loa of lore. Long time listener with a quick question. We know the ancients can come back to life because they're bound to the Emerald Dream. So are Loa bound to any other plane of existence where they could return if killed? Or would Wamsamdi have to be able to return them? Thank you for your time. That's from Happen of Boulderfist.
1: Hey, we already know that Torga was returned from from death and he had nothing to do with Wamsamdi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ancient, the Loa that are ancients, the Loa that are effectively the same, they're, they're wild gods, can return, and it's not up to Samdi whether or not they can.
2: Although there is an interesting thing in the questing that you do, especially as you go through, uh, Nazmir, and you deal with Samdi in general, is with, uh, the Torda, the, the, yeah, with Torta being dead, or, like, quote-unquote, it's Blamsamdi that has to bring the spirit forward before it regenerates, for anyone to talk with him, which I think is really, really interesting.
1: It seems like Samdi plays a role a little bit more like Anubis in Egyptian mythology. Yeah. Or like Hermes in Greek mythology. He's sort of the psychopomp, the one that handles the the interplay between life and death. Yeah. But and that's I, that's just a theory. I don't have he, any evidence. I,
2: but I thought about that too. Like Bwonsamdi almost feels like the gatekeeper, right? And then you combine that with the idea of he still works for someone, there's still somebody above him on the hierarchy of death that, you know, he's just the doorman telling people where to go and sort of like letting them peek back out. Um, there's also, and, and I, I don't want to, it's been ruined a little bit, but there's also a really big interplay about death and the Loa involving Vulgin. Mm-hmm. And if, I don't know, Anne, have you seen that as well or no?
0: I have not. Okay. So maybe we want to like veer away from that one just a little bit.
2: Yeah, but all, all I'm gonna say is Wamsandi is not omnipotent with death. Okay. That is, that that is that is. I very, think in general
1: yeah, in in general the Loa There's there's some debate as to whether or not Shadra will be back. Uh Yasma when she's draining Shadra says die forever. But that doesn't mean she actually will die forever. It just means Yasma Wants her to, because we know what happens when, like the Drakari were draining their Loa. If the Loa isn't destroyed forever, they can get revenge. Um, Quetzal in in Zoldrak yeah, gets revenge on her prophet for for doing exactly what ya- what Yasma does for draining her essence into him. She uses the player to to drag that that prophet to to her underrealm where she can torture him forever. So the Loa, this is a risky game. That Zul and his followers are playing—it's the risky game that the ones in Zul'aman started. It's the risky game that the ones in Zul'Drak perfected. Because you, unless you, unless it's like what Mammoth did and blows himself up, unless the the Loa kills themselves to stop it, they can come back even from this.
0: It also kind of sheds a little bit more light on why maybe the Zandalar popped up way back in Vanilla when everything was going down in zg with hakar
1: yeah I mean, this is uh, this is the
0: kind of thing that they have a really vested interest in
1: it's definitely interesting too. um i'm going to i'm going to actually swing it back over to the alliance side for a minute cuz i want to talk about drusvar and, and Thros because the Can Drus- we,
0: before we talk about drusvar um, I actually have an email about Dressbar too, so I kind of want to. Okay. Can I bring up the email and then we can go from there? Because I do want to sure. talk about the dress and, and all of that that's going on over there. Uh, this one is from Teresandra Worgan DK and proud patron. Thanks, Terasandra. who says, Hey, Watchers, do you feel Blizzard missed an important opportunity to talk about imperialism in Drustvar? Lucille Wayacrest talks about Drustvar being first settled by her ancestors and also that it was the Drust's ancestral home. Despite all the bad, and there's a lot of bad, doesn't that make the Drust kind of sympathetic? I keep hoping there'd be something more, but their story just seemed flat, as if they attacked for no reason rather than, it seems, defending their home
1: no it's actually this ties right into it yep um the the, the thorn speaker druids uh were started by the drust and their current leader the the cheat head thorn speaker is a drust named olfar olfar never comes out of bear form he stays in bear form which is and he's that, so cool yeah <laughs> big terrifying wicker bear form but he says things that indicate that there was a war between the two drust factions, between the thorn speakers and the ones following Gorak Tool, because Gorak Tool was doing creepy, creepy stuff with what appears to be a twisted version of the of the drust druids' powers. Because everything Gorak Tool does involves breaching the bounds of death.
0: It's very if you if you. It's done like the, he went death magic instead of nature yeah. magic.
1: Except that he didn't go uh, instead of. It's the druid magic. It's just the death portion of it. And that's what it really reminds me of the stuff we're seeing over on the other side. I think this stuff's going to tie together. I think Thros and the Drust are going to tie together. But in terms of the the imperialism thing, we're going to see that. And we have been seeing it. That's what the Horde is doing right now. Straight up. That's what the Horde is doing is imperialism. That's what's going on. She's, they're trying to make an empire. That's what Sylvanas wants. Whether or not, they, they, she goes beyond that. She has ulterior motives. There's a whole thing about her true motives. That's all out there too. But we're seeing that right now. That's happening. The, dr- the reason the Drust stuff doesn't really qualify is because the Drust were having a civil war. And there's a stele outside Aram's stand that has images. I, I was writing about the Drust this week. And there's images on the stele of the Drust fighting people that looked like them, but that could could also become great beasts.
0: There were, um, there are actually notes about that all over the world or all Mm -hmm. over Dressvar. There's an achievement for collecting it, um... Speaking of which, there are lore achievements I'm not sure about on the Horde side, because like I said, haven't played it, but on Alliance side... There's at
1: least one, there, there are some, because I've, I've stumbled upon one of those things over okay,
0: there. Okay, okay. Um, I know in Stormsong, there's like a section of tablets that you can find scattered around the zone that tell the story of the Tide Sages. Over in Drustvar, it talks about the Drust and the history of the Drust, and I think there's like, I want to say eight to ten tablets, something like that, eight to ten of those steles that you were talking yeah. about?
1: One of them talks about specifically the the drust were apparently at war with the, themselves. They were fighting their own druids before the humans showed up. And when Gorak Tool became in, he took charge, the druids were like, "This guy is no good at all. He is he's de- he's demeaning us. He's debasing us. Uh, he's turning us into monsters who attack people for no reason. We can't support this. We've got to stop it." When the humans showed up, um, they tried to make like to talk to the drust. They're like, "Hey, you know, we're over here on this other island." And because uh, there's three islands that make up Calteras effectively, the sound breaks it up into three islands. They're like, we're over here. We totally you know're we're, we're cool with just trading that's the, you know sorry about you know we didn't know you were here. And the Drust's response was to slaughter them wholesale immediately, just to kill their farmers. the second completely butchering unarmed people without a, a streak of regret because they could be used in rituals. That's what Gorak Tol was doing. He was effectively gathering ritual materials, and if it meant slaughtering people, that's fine by him. He didn't care. And the, the druids were like, okay, then we're back in them. We're helping those people. And even the creatures of the forest, like there's a, there's a sapient-talking stag named Althea, and I don't know if Althea is supposed to be an ancient or something, but he's a big magical-talking stag. He fought the drust. He's from there. Like, it's like Drustvar itself was rejecting Gorak-Tul in his, his reign. It's got a lot of, I don't want to say synergy, but it's like it's got a lot of resonance with what's going on in Battle for Azeroth. And the Drust in particular, and especially Gorak-Tul, has a lot of resonance with what's going on with Zul on the other side. It's like something, it's very similar, but it happened thousands of years ago. Gorak-Tul took over his society and turned it into one where people who failed him got stuck into wicker effigies and turned into monsters like that's when the humans started to win the war, the drust began using their own dead soldiers to make wicker abomination monsters. Like that's, that's how bad it got. So there's a lot going on here. I don't think really imperialism is the right, right vector for this particular story. If you want to feel bad for the dress, feel bad for the dress who ended up being the thorn speakers because they had to basically teach another people to be them. They had to replace themselves and that you know they've all died out except for one of them. There's one, this one Drustr left. Gorktool doesn't count. Gorktool's been dead for like I don't know how long, a couple thousand years. That guy's been living in Thros this whole time. Let's uh. talk
0: about Thros. Thros is the Blighted Lands, and it's basically the land that the Drust retreated to after their war against the humans. After that wasn't successful, um, they basically moved on to that. It's almost like another, it's like the Shadowlands, kind of. It's like another plane of existence, and they just kind of live on there as spirits, and they're always constantly trying to return to the physical world, essentially. Um, it reminded me a
1: lot of Helheim. Yeah.
0: the Drust it like reminded Helheim, me a lot. Yeah. Helheim, and also a little bit like the Shadowlands that you run into in the Death Knight starting experience, because yeah, it's like it's... an overlaid version of Drustvar. On the map, like map-wise, it looks like the map of Drustvar, but it's a different plane, kind of. I don't know. Yeah,
1: it's it's interesting because I think this ties back into the whole idea of Death Loa and, being, and maybe Loa being tied into another plane. I certainly think Death Loa might be tied into the Shadowlands the same way that other ancients and wild gods might be tied into the Emerald Dream. I feel like the Shadowlands are coming forth as sort of their own version of the Emerald Dream. Kind of. Like Shadow Dream. And I definitely... When Joe mentioned the whole thing about Bonsandy saying my boss isn't going to be happy about this, the first thing I thought was who gave Gorak Tool the power to defy death? How is it that Gorak Tool can just not die? Like they stabbed him, like you know they 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 should have killed him. Plenty of other Dross died. Why can't Gorak Tool? Where is he getting his power from? Is he just you know he can't just be an evil wizard? Something's going on here. So. Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on with death in this expansion. Gore tool by himself kind of like upsets the uh, thing. Well, Sorry.
2: and even doesn't even say like he, when you like take him out in the end of like the Waycrest Manor stuff, isn't it like you have only taken out a vessel like this is nothing. This is nothing but an inconvenience to me.
1: Well, yeah, cause he when you kill waycrest when you kill the waycrests, he's like, you know hell that that's what I wanted. I wanted him dead now I can come through, and when he comes through and you stop him, he's even like he goes back in, and then when you do the the should we talk about the Jaina story because the Jaina story kind of touches on this
0: um yeah, we could go ahead and talk are you okay with us talking about the Jaina story? No, I don't care, go for it, okay, all right, I know it's something you haven't played through yet, uh Jaina after she arrives in Kul she says hey mom what's up and mom says I don't like you anymore but most of that is because of Lady Ashvane who says hey you know what she's a traitor you know what the punishment for traitors is death um and Catherine basically disowns her daughter and instead of killing her sentences her to exile on a place called Fate's End which is an island kind of in the middle of nowhere it's off the coast of Stormsong valley um people don't go there only tide sages can access the island and even the tide sages don't walk on the island because anybody who has set, set foot on the island they're never seen again um and it turns out when you go there because um katherine has a change of heart after she realizes that ashvane's not good um, she sends you to find Jaina and you find out that Jaina has been sentenced to exile on Fates Inn and you go there to find her. She's not there. She's been sucked away to Thross. And go ahead and talk about Thross, Rossi.
1: Thross is essentially Thros. It's like what yeah, it's what you were talking about um before. Uh huh. The with the Shadowlands. It's very much it's like the Shadowland version of Drusvar. It's yeah. like this one for one repeat of it, but with all these like horrible wicker monsters everywhere screaming at you, and as you're you're going around it, one of the things that happens is you you run into like fragments of Jaina's soul. That
0: it, they've are, like, been scattered. split. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: They're scattered around the place, and she's reliving like some of her worst moments. Like she relives uh, the the first one I remember is the Varian one. That's the first one I found. Oh
0: God, but, that was the last one. The first one I went into was uh, the people of Theramore. Yelling yeah, at her because they were very more. angry yeah. about being dead. Um, the second one that you run into is Ronan and the Kieran Tor, yeah. who are very unhappy with Jaina. Yeah. He he's berating her and telling her that he trusted her to lead, and she's letting all her personal differences and things like essentially taint her for the position. And da, 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 da It's a lot of people yelling at Jaina. It's a lot of people yeah. yelling at Jaina, but it's those voices so, so, that she hears every time. Yeah. Kieran Tor, one in
1: particular is painful because there's this moment where her response is this, this very small, but they lied to me. Yeah. And it's just heartbreaking because they did, they lied to her. They're a bunch of liars. Um, But the whole thing, the whole place is basically where the Drust ended up because Goraktool wouldn't let them die. Yeah. Like Goraktool did something. One of the things that the Drust magic does is it lets you draw a soul back from the Shadowlands. But when you do, you trap it in an effigy until you're ready to use it. And trapping the soul in the effigy drives it crazy. Like it, it can't, the soul is isolated. It can't move on. It can't do anything. And the process drives them to madness. So all the drus at this point are just vengeance crazy lunatics. They just want to kill everything. As you're going through, um, Thros or Thros is it Thros or Thros? I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to say it's Thros. Thros. Yeah. I'm going to go with Thros. As you're going through it, like you keep running into them, and they're like, you know, she is Oz, and you finally. Get to the the last fight, and Gorak Tool is still there, you know Gorak Tool just pops right up. And... He shows
0: up because he's there.
1: Yeah, all, <laughs> he's <it's> everywhere. Where... <laughs> and uh, I think he's actually isn't he the one who is like pretending to be uh, Dalin? that's um, the worst one that's the end one yeah it? yeah he no no he attacks no he attacks after that he, yeah
0: you there's... you attack the effigy that was taking the form of dalen and tormenting jaina and then right after that that's when gorak tol shows up and says no i don't think so you're not going to take anybody from here and you're all going to stay here forever essentially yeah, and
1: so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot more to this than we're getting through because the show only lasts so long and we have to talk about other things. But basically Thros is like this example of how there's this unnatural stasis place where you don't ever get to move on. Where you die and it doesn't matter, like your death just means you're trapped in another place forever. I, I really feel like we're getting we're getting that more and more in this expansion.
0: It's like, like a dark ki- nightmare limbo. Yeah,
1: but but that that really has resonance with Sylvanas
0: here's the other part that i find kind of interesting um and i don't know if you caught this rossi or if you thought there was anything kind of interesting about it i did uh the the way that you access the blighted lands the entrance to it is a great tree called yeah Olanoth.
1: oh no oh yeah and it's it was sacred to the ancient dross before him
0: yeah well we know lots about trees and ancient trees, and really big, great trees, and things like that. So is this another druid tie-in? I'm assuming so, but why does this one go to Deathland instead of the Emerald Dream? You Honestly, know? I,
1: I find it interesting because Drust Druids are the first druids we've ever gotten who seem absolutely isolated.
0: Independent of the Emerald yeah. Dream entirely.
1: Yeah, and the other thing about Drust Druids that I find interesting is this. They use those complicated runes for everything. Like, when you're activating the gate to go in to Thros, there's runes around, uh, around the border, and you have to it's use like those a runic runes. It's
0: puzzle, yeah. yeah.
1: Who else uses runes all the time to do magic stuff?
0: The cool.
1: Yeah, and these guys... look. You look at Gorak Tool sometime. That dude oh, looks yeah, like a yeah. yeah. And if you look at the old... What's really interesting is if you look at the old images, like, when you do the quests... In, in the uh, zone, uh, just south, it's south of uh, Aramstand, when you're doing the quest to, like, basically go a little further in the storyline and find out what's going on, you see the stele where they show the, the images of when the drust were making war on the original settlers. Uh, they look human. Yeah. The drust look like just humans. Humans with cool hats, but humans. Uh, just wearing a, sp- a special hat doesn't make you not a human. I mean, believe me, I've tried. I've worn lots of hats in my life. I'm still human, um, so I just I find these guys really fascinating because it would make sense if they could tap if they could tap into the Emerald Dream in the Shadowlands directly. Because who are the other people that you know? Freya, one of the Titan forged, made the Emerald Dream. Yeah, and Helia, big time Breckel sorceress. Mm-hmm. You know, and she, you know, I can. So I'm like looking at this, going, okay. There's so much similarity between Gorak Tool's Thros and Helia's Helheim. And we haven't seen Helia since she quote unquote died. And the last time we saw Helia, she was making a deal with Sylvanas Windrunner. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen or heard anything about what that deal was or what how it all played out. Like, And we, we keep reading about how Sylvanas... I mean, like,
0: obviously this... the deal didn't work out for Sylvanas because the lantern that she got, again, got rid of that. Well,
1: I mean, we haven't seen the end of that yet, though, I don't think. I just I find myself wondering what if the deal was one of the reasons Sylvanas seems really determined to not die and to not let her people die is because I can imagine the deal she would have made might have been something along the lines of you take my place because yeah hated it there Helia hated her job oh it yeah was she forced, it was forced on her by Odin you know? she was trapped
2: so, essentially wasn't she like really like you see the summoners trying to summon her out of there
1: yeah there's you like, know. lots of stuff going on here I I really the whole thing with Samdi having a boss the whole thing with uh like Thros and Gorak Tull doing all this death stuff there's a ton of like we thought this expansion is going to be the void and the old gods and they certainly seem to be playing a role we've got but there's this
0: overarching theme involving death and death magic Mm -hmm. and what's beyond the grave and all that other stuff too that plays in really heavily which I think which as I think it has de-
2: to, since we're dealing with Sylvanas as like a main story point, yeah. essentially, right?
1: As as a Death Knight, I found myself personally offended by the Heart'sbane Coven because they didn't come to me with any of this. They didn't like, "Hey, Death Lord, can we?" No, they just started willy nilly raising people from the dead and defiling towns. And I, I have this is a union shop, okay? <laughs> this this is not so, You don't just come on in and and scab undead people. No. No, you talk to me first. That other undead, when that Death Knight went to raise that red dragon skeleton, he he, realized, he recognized that I had the authority to stop him, and he fought me, and I killed him. Because that's how it works. There's a plan here. No, but in all sincerity, there's a lot going on here. We should talk about the Ashara short, though, because I think that ties in, too, but I, I want to talk about the short before we talk about that.
0: Um. Well, we're running low on time here. So why don't we talk about that animated short real quick? Because that's the other thing that came out in Gamescom, uh basically big gaming convention, biggest gaming convention really, uh, they premiered the last Warbringer short, and that was Warbringer's as Shara. It was beautiful and it also said a lot about what went on in that moment that Ashara as went from Queen of the Calderai, you know, leader of the Calderai Empire to Queen Ashara, Queen of the Naga, and underwent that transformation that turned her into what she is now, which is very different. Um, what'd you guys think of that one?
1: You should go first, Joe. I've been talking a lot. No, go ahead, man. Okay. Uh I one of the things that first caught my eye was the fact that the uh the highborn of Suramar, protecting just one city needed the help of the eye of Amanthul and mm-hmm. like all and all of them, all of the wizards they had all the sorcerers they had on, on hand to prevent their city from being destroyed by herself as shara nearly prevented the same thing from happening to zinashari by herself by herself and had she said screw it and just stop trying to protect everybody else she'd have been fine Yeah, There's absolutely no way you can convince me she wasn't perfectly capable of saving herself, but she didn't. And I'm not saying she didn't do it out of the goodness of her heart. I'm not saying she was a kind or wonderful individual, but she did care about her people in the abstract. The people that served her. That loved and worshipped her.
0: I don't think it's the people that she cared about. I think think it's her empire that she cared about. And without her people, without... Without her people, without people to serve her, without people to adore her. She is queen of nothing. Just like she said to, and I'm assuming that that's Nazoth that she was talking to. Because oh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, Nazoth yeah. that she's talking to. By the way, Darren DePaul did the, the, the voice. Darren DePaul did the voice. That's Reinhardt doing the voice of an old god. <laughs> Reinhardt and a million different other characters and man he did a really good job with the voice work on that one Um, it was creepy, downright creepy but uh, what I found really telling was just how just what kind of a creature as Shara is because in the moment that she is dying, she is drowning she is not long for this world and she knows she's not long for this world, she knows that she's just gonna like Kick the bucket right there. That old god offers her a chance at survival and says, All you have to do is serve. And rather than saying, I would like to live, so yes, I will take that deal, like immediately right off the bat, uh uh, she stops and she negotiates. (laughs) She holds a negotiation session. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa. She doesn't negotiate. She She basically demands She doesn't say,
0: Hey, can we meet we can meet halfway?
2: She's like, No, No. it is this. It's my way
0: or the highway while she's dying it's her way or the highway that's the kind of creature that we're dealing with it, with Ashara i really hope cuz i know she's going to come up as a raid boss i know it right i really hope she gets away because the kind of power that ashara has is something that would be completely wasted in a one and done raid encounter you know what i mean i i kind
2: of hope that we never like we don't fight her as a raid boss Mm. and and it's because i want her orchestrating something absolutely brilliant that just like completely sidetracks us because like in that short you have nazoth saying i have watched you for a thousand years from beneath these waves and what has she been doing since that's happened she's been watching what we as heroes have been doing if there is any villain that has ever existed in the history of warcraft that should know how to play every single faction and every single hero like a fiddle it needs to be her and it needs to be not just a one and done it needs to be not just like a helia style encounter where we like, we crash into her city blah 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 blah. no she's no. way
0: smarter than that she's it has to way be smarter than that
2: i i want it to be like blowfeld like completely, absolutely insane, knows everything that's going on and like does all these things that draws in, in very specific places only to tell us later, you did exactly what I wanted you to do. You want I'll her see to you guys z- later.
1: You want her to Xanatos it, which is what she absolutely, Absolutely. Absolutely. And <laughs> that's one of the things about it that I found really interesting going back to the thing about when she tries to save Zinashari. I agree with you that she's not doing it because she loves her people so much as she's doing it because without her people she doesn't have anything and i think you're right absolutely right <laughs> that that's reflected in her her statement to nazath but i also think it's interesting because it goes beyond what we assumed about her there's there is in ashara that which recognizes that without an empire without followers she is nothing and there's a level of self-awareness there. She's got too much self-awareness to, def- like, she doesn't delude herself. When Nazath offers her the deal and she says no, he says, you will die. And she goes, as a queen, not a slave. She knows she could die in that moment. She, in fact, knows it's likely. And she's willing to die what she is rather than compromise it. And that's what she is with her people.
0: If she cannot be a queen, she will be nothing.
1: Well, more importantly, and she's she'll okay still with be a dying.
0: Queen. Yeah, because she'll, she'll still
1: be a queen.
2: Well, yeah, it's the same way yeah. that when when the, you know, pharaohs die
1: in their, their entombed, their memory, they're still pharaohs. They died pharaohs, right? That's the, And that's the thing here that's really fascinating. Ashara would rather die than compromise who she is. And she's had 10,000 years to work on exactly what she's going to do. She's she's going to conquer the world and and build that empire that Nazoth wants because it's attractive to her. That
0: because it's her she, empire. She yeah, but in the, that the moment, part... in that animated short, in that moment, she had no empire. It was crumbling around her in the water. She was watching it fall. And Isn't what it... Nazoth offered her was the opportunity to build another one, maybe even bigger and better than the first one.
1: Well plus two, if you look at when she sees it, her first word is magnificent. Yeah. And she thinks that's real great. Remember well, when she saw Sargeras for the first time? Mm-hmm. And it was very similar. Ashara has been looking for something that transcends the world that she was she was born into her entire existence. She's always known she was better than everything else. And and that's and I think right there, that's
2: the other thing that I got from it is I think she think or believes and she very well might have the measure of Nizath. Like in that moment she may may be thinking to herself, I will just take everything from him and it will be my empire in the end. Like she saw what the black empire was. She saw what it, you know, could be and then apply her image to it instead of an old god imagine all of those elves that are out there in the world converted into her likeness uh whatever she is now because we don't know what level of power she has at this moment or what she's learned in that bargain we know that she's more powerful than she's ever been before and And she was
0: extraordinarily powerful
2: she was extraordinarily powerful to begin with which we've already stated like i wouldn't put it past her that this is all part of a plan for her to remove the old gods
1: from the equation and
2: her to ring. She the thought
1: Supreme. she thought the only being in creation who was even remotely suitable for her was a Titan. And that was acceptable. And, it wasn't even a uh, match. that yeah. was acceptable. And, th- and think about it this way. Titans can easily kill individual old gods. Mhm. just reached down with his hand and pulled out Yasraj like a, like a sliver of rot. And popped it with his fingers. he They weren't worried about killing the old gods because they, you know, it wasn't an equal fight.
0: They were worried they were, about killing the world soul.
1: Yeah. If, if they were coming upon an old god... So, an old god is not as powerful as Sargeras. He could kill one fairly easily. Mm-hmm. And she... Thought he was maybe okay enough to be her boyfriend. And
0: Manoroth looked at Ashara and said, you, "Here is someone who is maybe only slightly less powerful than perhaps Argamond, or maybe even Sargeras himself. She yeah. is a piece of work." So and, now, and now she,
2: give her the access to you know void now, power.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say now give her a shot of Old God Go Go juice and see what happens to her then. And the thing is, is like before we thought
1: she'd made a deal with them. That's what we thought. Well, now we see she didn't make a deal with them. She dictated terms to them, and they accepted it yep. because they Dizoth, needed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah they
2: didn't have a choice. Well, not only that, but that's that's a really important part to note too. Is there was like when she said that, when she made that 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 line in the sand, she drew it. He didn't counter argue. He didn't. There was this moment of silence. Followed by this feral roar of, Yeah, okay, you get your way. Because he knew he knew he couldn't win against her.
1: Yeah. He needed what she could do for him and he had no there was no argument he could make to her that would work. He couldn't yep. like, He couldn't
0: she, let her die because he needed what she offered that much. And as Shara saw it probably the biggest mistake that Nizoth made in that bargain was the moment where he said, I've been imprisoned down here for a thousand years and I've been watching you for a thousand years and yep. I've tasted your essence and da-da-da-da-da and he thinks that he's piling on the flattery with, which would maybe work with anybody else but it doesn't Except work with she As Asshara heard, Shara. As she heard, imprisoned. heard oh. As Shara heard that and went I have a bargaining chip, thanks.
1: Yeah, it, she doesn't what would be flattery for anyone else isn't flattery for her. Cause she, to her it's manifestly true.
0: It's just, yeah, I know. Yeah. Thanks. I know
1: I'm the most amazing thing ever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe not even thanks. Just, I know. But the, the thing is, is like she came to that conclusion and turned this all around on the old God while she was drowning.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's so, really... yeah.
0: if she doesn't, she needs a Xana, the Xanatos thing that needs to be her. Absolutely. I, I, I can't see her as like a one and done encounter. It would what's be really, a tremendous waste of that character.
1: Well, plus, I mean, what's really interesting is now that we have all three Warbringers, we've now seen three women who basically are driving the 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 uh, story to this expansion, and we've seen that each of them had a different thing happen that led them in a different direction. And it's interesting to me, like how in some ways Jaina and Ashara have stuff in common, and like the whole daughter of the sea thing. And how, in some ways, Sylvanas and Ishar have things in common—the whole elf thing and dying. You know, watching your people die and then die yourself. And it's but really the
0: hook between the three is death.
1: Yeah, and really. Because
0: though, Jaina, you look at Jaina. Jaina did not die, but she watched everyone else die around she's, her.
2: She's shaped by death. She's right? shaped
0: by death. She's shaped by death that she feels that she's caused, that she feels that she's responsible for, and it weighs on her like crazy. And we saw that in her Warbringers. In Sylvanas' Warbringers, we saw, yes, there was an intro and an outro that kind of flanked it, but we saw the moment of Sylvanas's demise, and that's a moment that has shaped who she is in undeath since the moment it happened. And then with Ashara, we see her demise, or what should have been her demise, only she was snatched from it because she was real clever and yeah, she's I'm, real powerful, so death the, is still overshadowing like all of this stuff. It hinges inward, you it's know. The thread, yeah. But it's the, the thing the is with, with her, the shorts.
2: Yeah. it's a thread with the questing. It's it's the theme.
1: There's something, yeah. And I really feel like with this expansion, with the, the Ashara sh- cinematic showing Ashara, basically just straight up her determination. All three of them, we see determination at play. That raw will to make things happen and how it opposes death and how it, you know, stagnation versus will. There's a lot. I mean, I really feel like we're going to see stuff go on here that has nothing to do with what we thought we were going to get either in terms of the Horde versus Alliance thing. I'm so excited. Or in terms.
0: The the Horde and Alliance. You notice that we haven't really talked about the Horde and Alliance thing. It's because it's so background to everything else that's going on right now. Well, I mean, not even
2: because if you want to think about it, even the Horde versus Alliance thing hinges on what? Death. It's one side fighting with the other. It generates more death. Like that's... Well, doesn't Bond Sami even say
1: that that's something he's looking forward to?
2: Yeah, it absolutely is.
1: But there's one there's one bit in uh in Stormsong Valley that that felt off to me for this reason, and not because it's an evil act, although it is an evil act. But that's not the problem. There's a moment where you're going into the the the, the relatively large farming trade town of oh god Brenadon. Yeah, Brenadon.
0: Oh no, are you talking about the dude on the. Oh,
1: okay. You're walking across the bridge, and suddenly there's Horde airships everywhere dropping bombs on the town. And you come out of the scene, and they're like impaling people to walls. And it's just, I'm watching this going, okay, so the Horde War Machine decided the right thing to do was to attack this town. Like, I'm sorry, yeah, whatever, in terms of faction antagonism, it's a dumb target. Fort Dalen's right over there. If you're gonna if, if you're gonna fly your ships all the way here, Boralus is right over there. It's not even like five minutes away. Brennan believe... Brendam? Yeah, yeah. The, I, I remember I, this is a, 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 one of the missteps. It's a small misstep. I've loved this expansion so far, but that took me out of the zone. Like I'm sitting there going, "This is the dumbest thing. This this didn't need to be here. This zone's packed enough. Quite frankly, Stormsong
0: Valley." has too many quests. What took me out of the zone a little bit, but only like in good ways, was that I had Fenris, a.k.a. Brother Pike, escorting me through the yeah. way, And I'm like, it's... I'm so glad I get to listen to your dulcet tones again, this, sir. There's
1: one part where, <laughs> there's one part where Brother, P- like you're, you're sitting there with Brother Pike and Darian from Dragon Age Inquisition as yeah. every evil cultist you run into. <laughs> I'm sorry, going like you're sitting there going. So is anyone else from Dragon Age Darian. Inquisition? Are, sh- Dorian. Yeah. Brand, yeah, is anyone else from Dragon Age going to show up? And then, of course, I realize Catherine Pryor is in Farma. I'm like, okay, so yes, the Vivian's answer to that is that question. Yes,
0: um, yeah. There's a there's a lot. They got so some really fun. good voice actors for this expansion. They really there's, did. Everybody was so good.
1: The expansion is so packed full of stuff. Like, even if you're just doing the other sides, like if you go over and you're just doing the other factions, world questing at level one ten, like one twenty. There's a ton of stuff going on. Just whoa, Like Voldoon is crazy. There's Doing Voldoon on,
0: on to... Alliance is great. I ran into the Trash Loa and um, the Trash Loa. I I feel like a real deep kinship with the Trash Loa. <laughs>
1: the little uh, the little Compy one. Yeah, Johnny. She's she, John. she's
0: great. Johnny, <laughs> I love her. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's a lot going on in this expansion. I, mean, yeah. I haven't got a chance to level my horde, and I haven't like I'm kind of feel torn about it. Like sometimes I don't even feel like playing horde. Because I'm still pretty upset about the intro into the expansion. I'm hoping that soon I'll get over that and be able to. But there's just there's an underarching theme going on here that we have yet to even really touch. And I don't think it's the old gods. I think it's going it, to come down to the de- to death. It all goes yeah,
0: into that whole death thing.
1: Well, and I, I, I think you're
2: right. In right my down of- to
0: um, do we want to spoil that one? Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we can. We did give a spoiler warning after all, right? Yes. So right down to Talia, who is Talia Fordring, who basically is the daughter of the current Lich King. I mean it all kind of plays
1: in together, we're just saying. And another woman who is involved heavily in death in some way. Yeah. Yep. I I indirectly in, on Twitter, people are like, you know, I kind of, I kind of ship both Jaina and, and and Talia, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think the Lich Kings would like that, and they're like, I don't get why the Lich King would care about Talia. I'm like, oh, you don't know, oh, okay. you don't know yet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> just, just come back. later. Just wait. <laughs> yeah, you know, come back later, and it, it'll all become clear. But, but yeah, there's yeah, like...
2: I, my perspective shifted the minute I heard Bomb say that he had a boss. I was like, oh, 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 oh there's something bigger. Okay.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. then I
2: started going through all those same threads that you guys were talking about, about Helia and, like, she made contact. Like, the thing about Odin's Eye and stuff like that, to go back to one of the original, like, one of the older questions that we got today. Like, just thinking about that, we still don't know who he made the deal with. We still don't know what that entity is. And that and was a darn powerful entity.
0: It's something that Sylvanas must be linked to, because the Void doesn't like her. The Void mm-hmm. is kind of scared of her the void is disturbed by the void demanded that Alaria put Sylvanas down because she was something unnatural so there's like it's all tying together yeah so anyway we have like a million different tinfoil hat theories that we're kind of kicking around guys and we'll probably get to those over time I know the next couple of weeks for me is going to be spent probably leveling through the horde zones and trying to get 120 over there so that um, I get like the full picture of the story um regardless we are running over (laughs) when aren't we running over (laughs) so we need to go ahead and wrap up the show here but if you do have any emails for us you can again send those to podcast at dot com and put lore watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for the show we're like i said with the spoiler warning at the beginning of the show we're talking spoilers so if you have any questions about any of the lore stuff that's going on in the expansion go ahead and send those our way. We probably won't be talking about spoilers on the main Blizzard Watch podcast, but we will talk about them here. We're fine with that. Um, As well, you guys, for you guys, the listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you guys the opportunity to check out their service. Um, One of the books that they've got available is Before the Storm, and I know that we haven't really talked about it on this show, this particular show, but a lot of Before the Storm also involves these thematic elements of death and i think it also kind of plays into what we're seeing in battle for azeroth on a couple of different levels because yes there's the whole thing going on with sylvanas and the forsaken and the living survivors of what happened in lord ron and how these two people are interrelated but there's also that kind of overarching question of what happens after you die And it's one of those themes that plays really heavily in the book as well. Um, The book is available in audiobook format. It's read by the same guy who does the voice for Andwin in-game. It's a really, really great book. You can get that as your free audiobook download if you want to. Otherwise, there's a bunch of Blizzard's other titles. I would recommend Arthas. That's another one that seems to be kind of playing a little heavily into everything that's going on here with the whole death theme thing. Um, And if you aren't interested in any of the Blizzard titles, Audible has thousands and thousands of other books that you can check out as well. You can download those over at blizzardwatch.com slash audible where you can sign up for that free 30-day trial and get your download. Um, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Final thoughts. I'm just going to pose this in kind of like a two bosses inter sort of way. And see what you guys think about this. Azshara versus Nazoth, Who comes out on top? Joe.
2: <laughs> Azshara? You think? Like, hands down. Like, she she's too smart. She's too smart. She's too powerful. And I think that... Do you think she's after... smarter
0: than an entity that, like, comes from before she was even created?
2: Yes. And I think she's also probably more powerful than he expected. So I I think that if it came down to a fight between Azara and the Ol god any of them that she comes out smelling like roses and she figures out how to expunge them without them being able to come back. Like that's, that's the thing, right? Like she's now tasted that power. She, to me, her, her mind probably understands how to unravel that power more than any other being in creation right now, more than Sargeras ever could have hoped for. Because even with talking about Amonthul ripping out Yasraj from, you know, Azeroth... You know what? He wasn't I'm, dead. He I'm still stop came back. You,
0: I'm going to stop you for a second there, and I'm going to back it up, and I'm going to give you another final thought to chew over here. Sure. Is our best weapon against the old gods as Shara?
2: I honestly think so. Because, like I said, I think she's probably the only one that understands at this point how to finally, permanently remove them from this plane of existence.
0: What do you think, Rossi?
1: Well, I think Joe's wrong. Yushraj was permanently dead. That's just, that's stated, that's given. He is permanently dead. So that part, I don't think we need Ashara to do that kind of thing. I think in terms of raw force, if it was a, if Ashara got into an actual, let's throw magic at each other, fight with Nazoth, Nazoth would win. But she's not going to do that. She never does that. That's not her style. When she dealt with the Burning Legion, she never just got into brawls with them you know she backed maneroth off with a glare not a fight she didn't have to use power to stop him all she had to do was look at him mm-hmm. that's that's Ashara. is she would she win in a fight with nazoth if it's a slap fight no he's got a lot of tentacles uh but if it's you know if it's Any a battlefield con- of her choosing. Any confrontation she would have with Nazoth would be after everything she had set up with in preparation for Nazoth. She's like the evil Batman of Azeroth. So <laughs> if there's going to, if there's going to be a fight, she will have prepared for it and it will be along the, the pathway she wants it to be along. In fact, I would not be surprised if at the end of this expansion, when we're standing over Nazoth's body, there's a bunch of clapping and Nishara's like, wow, you worked even better than I thought.
2: Exactly. Yep. Yep.
1: That's the kind of thing I would expect from Nishara. That's the kind of win I would expect her to pull out. And I would expect her to pull it out. If she's not still around by the end of this expansion, I will feel like it is a tremendous waste.
0: Same here. Right. Anyway. That wraps us up for Lore Watch. Thank you guys, as always, for listening, and we will see you again in two weeks.